A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but account of the crowd he could not, because he was short in stature. So Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus, because Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. The word of God for the world. Good morning. While we were in Cuba, we spent a couple of days wandering about the big city of Havana, soaking in the sights and sounds and smells before heading down to the town of Matanzas, home of Kim and Stan Dotson, who send their greetings, and the Kairos Center for a day, on our way to visit our partner church, Gethsemane, in the village of Colorado. We saw all of the expected old cars and engineering ingenuities, the creative marvels of art and song, the many shrines to Fidel, Che, and Jose Marti. But it's what we didn't see that really stood out to me. The majority of my travels have been in the developing world, so I expected Cuba to share some similarities with those places, to have beggars on the street corners of the big city, gawking teenagers in the town, constantly staring, especially at my tall, skinny, red-headed husband, <coughs> filthy little children with rotund bellies on the dirt roads of the villages, but we didn't see any of these things. We landed in a country where everyone's basic needs are met. No one is homeless, no one is starving, health care readily available to all, the literacy rate is 99.9%. Now, I realize it's time for a disclaimer. When I lived in Rwanda, there was a saying among the expatriate community, don't trust anyone who's been here less than three months or more than three years. The newbies were still blind to all of the negative aspects of everyday life, and the old-timers had grown jaded. So I realized that my six days in Cuba places me firmly into that first category. So you may take things that I say with a grain of salt. But I want to share um, just some observations and reflections on our time there. I was encouraged that instead of touting a buy more stuff sentiment, the billboards in Cuba promote unity, dreams of a world without borders, the end of injustice. We began to wonder, what is the gospel 
in the context of socialismo. In a socialist country where there were seemingly no outcasts, as we view them in our culture at least. So we grew fascinated by this concept of the outcast. Nestor, who's our trusty driver and translator, translating from fast Spanish to slow Spanish, really struggled even to understand the word that our dictionary used to translate outcast, paria, like a pariah. He couldn't even comprehend what this word meant. And he couldn't come up with an example of a pariah in Cuba. Didn't seem so much that individuals with disabilities were marginalized. Um, at the Kairos Center, for example, there was a young woman with Down syndrome on staff. And the rest of the staff donate a portion of their salary every month to make sure that she also gets her fair share. Women didn't particularly seem to be outsiders. They had just as much opportunity as the men. We saw just as many young women in medical school uniforms in, Santa, uh, in Ciego de Avila as we did young men at the medical school. The homeless couldn't be cast out because there were no people experiencing homelessness. And maybe this is my naivety shining through, but it really did get us thinking. And so we attempted many conversations in our rudimentary Spanish to engage Cubans in discussions about Jesus's encounters with so-called outcasts in a context where the diseased are not shunned, but taken for free medical care by skilled doctors. What is the gospel? In Colorado, we were greeted on Monday afternoon by many women of the church, one in a Providence Baptist Church t-shirt, with a feast in the church's backyard where our company included the many, many chickens and rabbits that Raphael was raising. And that night, we attended the church's prayer meeting where every single person offered prayers methodically through the entire congregation. And at the end of the meeting, they all began to recite something in unison. So the next day, I asked Raphael's son, who had been a bit of a tour guide for us, what are they saying? And he reported, it was a psalm. I said, okay, how many psalms do you all have memorized? He's, well, you know, several. So it was pretty cool to hear the whole congregation reciting the psalm in unison from memory. So the psalm that we read this morning is one of those that they regularly recite. On Tuesday, we visited with some church members in their homes and then returned to church that evening for Bible study. And Dave, with his better Spanish, was called upon to lead the study. And he was informed that typically, someone expounds upon a passage of scripture from the pulpit for 30 minutes or so, teaching the congregation all about it. Now, Dave's Spanish is not bad, but expository preaching is not in his repertoire. So we shared with the congregation there how we had done our Bible study at the Beasley's last year. Um, so we're going to recreate that Tuesday evening here and now, utilizing the outline that our Bible study group followed as we studied first the Old Testament and then the book of John. Dave chose the story of Zacchaeus as the scripture for the study because it seemed kind of relevant to a Cuban context, um, and it included this pariah, if you will. So I'm going to ask uh, four questions, and I want you to consider them from a Cuban context, if you can. If not, I want you to think about um, not the person with whom you identify the most, but the one that you identify with the least from this passage, to try to think about it from a different perspective. So I'm going to start by asking for some general observations. And we'll move on to some interpretive questions that might help you understand it better. 
then to some theological sightings where we see God in the passage, and then finally to personal application where you can apply this passage in your life. But first, I'm going to read the Zacchaeus passage again. So go ahead and get into that mindset um, that you're going to choose to view things today. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Dave's going to be my mic runner, so if you have something to say, he will get to you as quickly as he can. So first, what are some general observations? What stands out to you? What do you notice? Very open-ended. In this story of Zacchaeus. surprise everyone that Jesus knew Zacchaeus or said Zacchaeus as well as I had a surprise Zacchaeus that Jesus knew his name. I know that's not the only observation. you look up in this tree and try to change me, I'm staying in the tree. If you tell me I'm going home with you for dinner, I'll tear myself up getting down out of this tree. It seems the transformation was kind of quick. One, one sentence. That's all. I'm struck by Zacchaeus' commitment. Um, I mean, when he got down out of the tree, he was a pretty serious dude in terms of what he was planning, in terms of how he was going to respond. I think in the midst of all of this, I'm still struck by how many folks were still there just watching and pointing fingers. Yeah. Even seeing the transformation, they said, oh, he's going to eat with a sinner. Something must be wrong with both of them. Zacchaeus was a, a seeker. The, the thought of Zacchaeus this being an instant decision, I can't help but wonder if Zacchaeus saw Jesus as loved and loving and knew that he was hated himself. 
I'm struck by the verse that Kias wanted to see who Jesus was but could not on account of the crowd and just the power a group has over one and how that group uses power. Just as an observation um, of, of possibility, it's not necessarily the case that this transformation was so instantaneous. Um, in the passage, Zacchaeus came down out of a tree and uh, Jesus suggested that they go together to dinner. And it may have been over dinner that the change was made. Uh, it may have taken a little bit of time. You know, these Gospels are sort of synoptic, aren't they? And sometimes things get made much shorter. As we all talk about, what this showed was Jesus was non-judgmental with everyone. Good observations. I wish I could share with you the observations of our friends in Cuba, but their Spanish was really fast. <laughs> so that moves us to our next question. What questions do you have? Maybe questions you'd like to ask one of the characters or just something that you need to know to better understand this passage in its context. What questions do you have? Why how? <laughs> how? Like everyone else, when they went to follow Jesus, he said, you give up everything that is yours. Why is, why is how what Zacchaeus agrees to? That's a good question. thinking thinking about that half it may just be my math skills but I've never understood okay he's already given away half and then of what he has left there's he pays back four times to everybody that's you know that he shorted everybody he's cheated is that not a lot more than he had <laughs> Maybe the literalness is not the point. Um, uh, maybe it's um, hyperbole for a reason. Mm -hmm. Just a thought. <laughs> and one thing I didn't notice as I was, uh, uh, you know, recalling the passage, it, it does say that Zacchaeus stood there and spoke. So, again, we don't know what's synoptic and what's not, but the text uh, sort of suggests uh, instant transformation. I think the idea here, when he says, I give back four times what I have cheated people, according to Jewish law, you only had to give back twice. 
so he's going beyond what the law would require. I think that's the, in a sense, Luke trying to tell us that when when uh, we are transformed by an encounter with the living Christ, we go beyond any any limit that the law might put on us. And I think maybe he was giving all of himself. So what stood out to me is that following Zacchaeus's uh, announcement of, of giving to half to the poor and four times in sequence, you might think that uh, Jesus is responding to that. Today, salvation has come to this house, meaning that it is in response to what he was doing. But Jesus continues in giving his reason because he, too, is a son of Abraham. So salvation is not uh, earned by Zacchaeus's um, deeds, but by his identity as a son of Abraham. I think this is interesting in light of Josh's play, which many of us have gone to, but the, the thing that Jesus always does is shock the community by saying he announces not only Zacchaeus' name, but he says, I'm going to stay at your house. He's going to stay at the house of a person who is perceived as the great sinner of the town. And that's one of the things that we continue to do as a society to want to separate ourselves from those who are unworthy, if you will. wonder what the word to has reference to. He too is a son of Abraham. That, that's leading us to believe that there's some other person or group of persons that fits in this story that we don't get all of it here. Some Stuff. What does the notion of a son of Abraham mean in this in this context? What is, what is that? Why is it beyond? Uh, he gave twice what the law of the you know the uh, a Jew, or is it? And one of the things I love most about scripture is that sometimes we walk away with more questions than we do answers, um, which is often the case with all scripture. But I'm going to move on to, an, to the next question, is where do you see God in this story? What characteristics of God are evident here? How is God showcasing, showcasing God's godness, if you will? Can I, can I talk about what was said? Mm-hmm. So this was one of the few things I remember um, answering 
and I kind of looked around after asking this question, and I think it was Carlita, uh, the one who was wearing the Providence shirt, said, amor, love. You know, it's, it, there's no other word, just love right there. And then she was just silent. I think one of the main messages is that uh, Jesus didn't know Zacchaeus at all. He came to this town. He saw him. He was a stranger, and he treated a stranger like a beloved person. One encounters God anywhere if the openness to do so is there. One thing that I see is foreknowledge. Um, you know, it's clear that Jesus knew Zacchaeus before he met him. And, you know, we don't really know if that is some sort of supernatural power that he possessed while being a man or if he just had good advancement, but somehow he foreknew Zacchaeus, and I think that the lesson we can take from this is that Jesus knows us, probably better, I mean certainly better than we know ourselves, and knows our possibilities and our potential, and uh, if we Try to be his friend. Uh, a lot's possible. I think it's <coughs> it's interesting that the story starts with Jesus entering Jericho and passing through it, and that's that reminds me of another story of Jesus sort of intending to pass through a certain place, and the woman who was hemorrhaging for. 12 years and this crowd of people like touches him and even though everybody was touching him bumping up against him Jesus realized that there was a difference and stopped for her and I think in this passage Jesus passes through all kinds of places but when there's a, a need <coughs> for him to stop he does and stops at the place where we are I think it shows that God sees the greatest need and doesn't just deal with that, but spreads the, the lesson 
wide. I'm not real sure which question it answers, but or the one word that I've not heard mentioned that really has struck me in this conversation is determination. Zacchaeus was so determined to fight the power of that crowd that he climbed the tree so that he could get past that crowd. He was so determined to do what was right to correct his wrongs. That determination is just so strong that I think it does show God's character through him, in him. So then, what does this mean for us today? Here, now, in our own personal lives. Go ahead, get vulnerable, if you will. If we're not getting face-to-face, we're missing a message. in being face to face with Zacchaeus he has also solved some other people's problems you know he reached out to someone who was able to to help others I mean he gave half of everything he owned and he repaid people four times what he had taken so it wasn't just one in a single encounter with a single person it had it reverberated through the community and and Jesus purposely sought out that purpose person perhaps with that purpose in mind Thank you all for sharing in this exercise and being at one with our church Gethsemane in Colorado. I do encourage you after the service to come downstairs. We'll have pictures. We'll be available to tell stories, give anecdotes, answer any questions you might have, and we'll be glad to do so with our little Cuban snacks.